Welcome in Tuesday, Locked on Syracuse podcast. Happy you could join us as we begin our exit interview series where we basically go over an individual player, grade them on their season, give out our reviews and what they need to improve on for next year. That starts today with our favorite on the show, Joe Girard, Sienna Joe, Syracuse Joe. What was NBA it? Joe? NBA Joe in the tournament. It's it's hard to keep track of the guy, but we have a lot of thoughts on him to get to today on the pod. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making us your first listen every single weekday. Tim Leonard, Tyler Aki here with you. If you're new to the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch each and every episode there if you are of the newer hip generation that likes to watch uh, the podcast on YouTube. It feels like maybe it's a different demographic there, but check out our YouTube. You notice some changes today, too. I've got a little little shelf behind me today. Oh, wow. You've got a light bulb out in your room. Yeah, I, I just found out maybe three minutes before we hit record that my light bulb that I normally have right next to me is out. So I, I pulled a lamp from the living room and we're, we're you look like you're about do. to be interrogated right now. Like I've got right. the flashlight beaming at you. <laughs> Did you do yeah. it? Going to have to make a run uh, to, to get a new light bulb tomorrow. But this episode of Locked on Syracuse is also brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way that you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props. Just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. So Joe Girard is the topic today. We could probably do a two-hour podcast on this guy when we talk about his exit interview. I'll present the stats first, and then we can kind of get into just our general thoughts on the season. But the basic numbers on Joe Girard's season, not bad, honestly. 34.1 minutes per game, 13.8 points per game, 4.2 assists. 1.6 1.6 steals per game. He shot at 39% from the floor, 40% from three, 88% from the free throw line. So 39, 40, 88 were his. What an odd. There. Yeah. So, like what an odd slash line there that like that. That's the basketball version of it. The, the field goal percent, three point percent free throw percentage, because it doesn't add up. Like two of them make sense, right? If you told me an 88% foul shooter is also a 40% three point shooter, I'd believe right. you. But then you get into that 39% from the field. And it, whenever you see a, a field goal percentage that is lower than a three point percentage, your eyes sort of and your ears perk up a little bit. It's like, hmm, that doesn't add up there. Why doesn't that up, add up there? And I think it's pretty simple. He didn't like to go to the basket a whole heck of a lot. And when he did, he either got fouled or he wasn't finishing at the rim. Right. So he shot at 37% from two-point range this year. That's kind of been a pretty traditional number for him. I mean, he's 38% in his career from two-point range in the three years now. It feels like normal years, he's kind of falling around the mid to upper 30s in field goal percentage. But that is a, a career high in terms of his field goal percentage, 39%. Everything's a career high that I just named. It's set for free throw percentage. His freshman year, he shot at 89% from the line. A lot of fans probably remember he got off to a torrid start at the free throw line as a freshman. But the points per game, the assists, the steals, yeah. the minutes, all career highs this year. 
also a career high in, in turnovers per game, 2.8 per right. game, mm-hmm. which comes with playing more. I think a good way to break down the turnovers is how Ken Palm does the turnover rate. So that's not necessarily tied into your minutes and volume. It's just how often are you turning over the basketball for how much you're out there. And his turnover rate, 21.2, went up from 19.9 last year and 15.6 as a freshman. So the turnovers are heading in the wrong direction for a guard that is now entering a senior season coming up. Hopefully that corrects itself. But the numbers overall, really not that bad. It was just inconsistent throughout the season to get to those numbers. Again, that that is the perfect way to sum it up because, and there's teams that are like this, there's individuals like this, and we always talked about it. You never got a B game out of Joe Girard. You got A games and you got C, D, and F games out of it. You never got, I, you know what? I should even take a C game out. You never got a B or a C out of Joe <laughs> Girard. It felt right. like you either got the A and, or you either got the D or the F. And I look at it and that sort of makes sense. Yeah, there's games where he can go off for 20 something points in a game. There's games too where he's going to be shut out and turn the ball over. A fair amount and those are the that's the joe gerard experience that we've talked about and so where does it meet in the middle 13.8 points per game but he's not a 13.8 point per game score you either got a lot of points on sometimes high volume shots from joe or you, you had games where he couldn't find the bottom of the bucket to save his life and that's where it meets in the middle at 13.8 yeah and if i was asked you know what grade would you give him this season it's a tough one, but I'd probably give him a B, which to your point, he didn't have a whole lot of B games in general. Yeah. I think it was a bounce back season compared to last year. He clearly was yeah. bothered by COVID last year. He was a much better player than he was last year. I mean, just but, look at his offensive rating. His offensive yeah. rating jumped almost 10 points from a season yeah. ago. Last year, he was 96.2. For those unfamiliar with offensive rating, 100 basically is an average uh, of offensive rating. If you're over 100, you're better than average. If you're below 100, you're below average. So last year he was 96.2. This year he's 105.8, which we kind of goes into the theme of what he's been this season, it, a career high for him. His freshman season, he was a little over 103. So he's taken some sort of step there. But again, the next step is making it consistency and, and turning it into, I'd rather see more B efforts out of Joe Girard. It's like the Dino Babers. I'd rather see consistently good instead of occasionally great. Yeah, I feel like in looking at his offensive rating, it was 103 as a freshman, 105 this year. I feel like he's a slightly better basketball player than he was as a freshman, but it hasn't really transformed. He hasn't become a different level of player like maybe we would have hoped, and now he's entering his senior season. And the question is, is it too late for him to make a leap or – is this the year that he does make the leap because he might be playing off the ball a little bit more than he has been. And finally, we're just starting to realize that he's been out of position for a while, or maybe not we, maybe the coaching staff, and they just actually have more options at the point guard position next year, hopefully. It's just too many bad games and too many inconsistent games and performances for me to give him better than a B. Because really, his numbers compared to his freshman year, Slightly better, but also the turnovers were worse. So he basically just shot it better from three this year, but turned the ball over more than you would have liked, I think would be the two stats to summarize it. I think that's the perfect way to do it. And I I do think you do have to take into account he shot the ball 
amazing from three this year. 40% led the, the ACC in that regard, and he did it on a career-high number of attempts. He didn't over- I think A.J. Griffin was like 50%, right? Maybe for but Did he have enough qualifying? Volume. Yeah, because I'm looking right now at his, at his basketball reference page, and it has him Even as like the- Maddox. There were guys that were up there in 49, 50%. I, I totally agree with your point, though. 40% from three at the volume yeah. he was shooting. He I'm made- looking right here on, on basketball reference, and it has Joe Girard as the number one three-point shooter in the the acc so there must be some qualifiers in there and again on on the quantity that he did at 220 for an entire season that's a lot right there and to shoot 40 percent over that stretch is pretty amazing and i think that's important because what was he billed as when he came to syracuse he's a dead-eye shooter he's going to go down he's going to be able to hit from anywhere on the floor from behind the arc And I think this was the first true year that we saw that become the case. We look at Joe Girard from years past. I mean, he's never shot better than 33%. And that's part of why the Joe Girard experience maybe felt underwhelming through the years one and two for Girard because we thought he was going to go out and be this guy that shot 40% from three. And this was the year that we finally saw that come out to play. So to me, that is certainly something that, I think you saw the progress there. And yeah, the turnover numbers were up, sure. But I don't think that's going to be a problem as much next year because I think he'll be off the ball as a two guard a little bit more. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And I totally agree with the the three-point numbers being good. I just didn't want someone to jump in and say, oh, what about AJ? Well, actually, yeah. These, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could I could see that coming when, when you were saying it. But um, let's put a pin in this for a second because I have an interesting thing to talk about just in regards to his performance this season in just a little bit, but I do want to tell you guys about Stat Hero. I know everyone loves March Madness. Everyone loves making those brackets, but I can't remember the last time I actually went deep or even won any money in my bracket pool. So this year, I'm hedging my bets with Stat Hero's NCAA Pick'em Contest. Stat Hero's NCAA Single Game Pick'ems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. They have a simple, sleek gameplay that'll have you playing in minutes, and this is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use our promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Some serious savings at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on all one word for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on terms and conditions apply. On the note of kind of comparing his freshman to his junior season, it feels to me like when we get into the conversation of, all right, can he make a leap for next year? The part that concerns me is he's still kind of the same player. He hasn't really added the way that Buddy added other skills Mm -hmm. to his game and sort of proved that he was more than a shooter or he could get to his spot. Maybe Gerard's a little bit better at that, a little bit better at scoring in isolation perhaps, but he's still pretty dang limited. And it feels like maybe he's gotten a little bit better defensively over time of just learning the zone and all that. I don't know how much his overall offensive game has improved. And I know the argument is just, well, if you throw him off ball, then everything's going to be better for him. But you still got to beat guys off the dribble. You still 
in order to take a leap in points per game and all ACC type of conversation, I think he would have to add sort of what Buddy did, add more to his repertoire scoring-wise. And I'm not overly confident he can do that because it's not like he's just going to suddenly pick up more quickness and suddenly be blowing by guys and scoring. I feel like it's almost you either add it in a crafty way or you don't add it at all. So I'm a little concerned about that. I think the one thing that he could do, because I agree, he's got to find other ways to score besides just the three ball. But I think part of it too would be improving his ability to score off the screen because that is one of the easiest ways to create a little bit of space. And I think improving his ability in the pick and roll game would be huge for Syracuse because if you could start to trust him a little bit more as a ball handler in that pick and roll scheme, and you've got Jesse Edwards, all right, you've got a guy who was fantastic with pick and roll offense this past season to have that pairing along with the ability to also have Samir that will completely change what Joe Girard can bring. And not just that, I think if he's a guy that can get to the free throw line a little bit more, like I'm looking right now on Ken Palm, he wasn't among the, the conference ranks in terms of free throw rate. If he can get to the free throw line more, I'd welcome that because he's a damn good free throw shooter too. Yeah. And that to me is because Joe plays one of those games. He's a physical player and he's one of those guys who he's kind of that he's learned from the new age of point guard. He's a head whip point guard, right? When he gets in the lane, he's going to whip his head back to try to draw some contact and try to draw a whistle that way. Sort of a flop, but listen, everyone does it, all right? So if he can get into the lane more, draw more contact, and get to the line more, I want to see that free throw rate go up. I don't mind if the free throw percentage goes down because I'd imagine that's a a direct correlation of something that would happen. But as long as the rate is up and you're still hitting, I wouldn't expect him to dip much below an 88 87%. I'll take 88, 87% from the free throw line if that rate is hovering around like 27, 28, maybe even 30%. Yeah, I'm just, I think the only way you get your free throw percentage or free throw volume up is by getting to the basket more. And he's probably going to do it a little bit more next year just because he is the two guard and Buddy's not there and he's probably going to handle the ball a little bit more. But even this year, we were sort of asking for Buddy to get to the free throw line more this season. Some of it is he just didn't get calls, but also he just does so much of his shooting around the free throw line, jump shot type of stuff. And I think that's the only that if Gerard's going to improve in one area, it might just be that he just becomes a little bit more efficient at those two point jumpers off the pick and roll, like you're talking about. But I don't really see a world where he just makes a leap and is very good at getting to the basket and finishing at the rim. So maybe he gets a little more creative with pump fakes and uses his body a little bit wisely or or better around the rim so that he Mm -hmm. can get to the free throw line more. But it's almost like the same thing with buddy where in a perfect world, yes, that's his next step getting to the free throw line more because he's such a good foul shooter, but we just aren't the, the guys we had last year and Gerard falls in that category. They're not quick enough to get to the basket to get the free throw line opportunities. I feel like I think, yeah, you're right. I think the, the getting to the basket part, I don't know if that'll ever get better, but finishing at the rim is certainly a skill that you can develop. Yeah. Right. And the strength around the rim and Joe Gerard's a, a tough, strong kid too. Um, one other thing too, and you brought up the pump fake there, and maybe this is part of why, he doesn't go to the basket as much because Joe Girard and and the goal of the pump fake is to get a guy in the air so you can blow by them 
and get to the basket. But what you're seeing now with a lot of shooters is using that pump fake to create a little bit of separation, and then you hit a three. That's why I'm not as worried about it, because how many times did we see this year Joe Girard pump fake, get a guy to blow by him in the air, and then he just splash a three from there, a wide open three? His pump fake's really good, and it's something that has gotten him free throw shots. We saw, I mean, how many times did he go to the free throw line off of a three-pointer in that Duke game? Was it two or three times he did that Yeah, um, against Duke? Um, so that's something that I think he definitely has has developed over the course of his career, and that's part of why he's not going to the basket as much as he's using that pump fake to create three-point separation as opposed to using it to get by a guy. And that's something that when you've got the three-point shooting skill set that Joe Girard has, I don't mind it as much. Yeah, this is kind of anecdotal. Like, I don't have stats to back this up, but I feel like he should be better at shooting from two-point range, that elbow, free-throw line area. He's so good at just firing up a quick three, and, like, he's not bad at shooting on the move, or where you were talking about where maybe he can get a little bit better at rolling around screens, catching, shooting. I could see him becoming that type of shooter because he has a quick release, he checks that box, he's used to shooting in traffic, all that stuff. But it's sort of weird. I feel like he misses a lot of these two-point jumpers on the move, off the dribble, off a screen. And some of them he misses kind of badly, and it's sort of head-scratching. I don't know if that's just a mental thing or him just not shooting as much from two as he does from three, and it throws him off a little bit. But, I mean, he makes some of them, don't get me wrong, but there's a couple times where it's like, for a good shooter and a guy that has unlimited range and is very good at shooting off the dribble from deep, it's sort of head scratching how badly he misses some two point jumpers that are fairly open. I agree with you. And again, it's, I mean, he has, it feels like the two pointers that he makes the degree of difficulty is high. And I don't know if that's just like the, the gamer and the competitor in him that he craves. I don't know. Cause like, I think back to that game against UNC where he he'd been playing awful all game. And then what do you know? He moves down with a purpose. And then towards the end of regulation, right. he hits that fall away jumper. And it was the no, no, no. Yes. Shot of Joe <laughs> Girard yeah. that we have come to, to see despise and, and love in a weird way too. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't know why. And maybe that's just the next step. And some, it, may, it might just be an easy fix too. Yeah. Like just, get in the gym a little bit more and practice some of those two point shots. So those become second nature, kind of like how some of these three point shots have become second nature. All right. I got some interesting numbers on his defensive rating this year that we'll dive into in just a second, kind of surprising numbers really, but March madness is coming up this week. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going to going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running our brackets with runyourpool.com along with standard brackets run your pool offers game types like survivor or pick x they have options to edit scoring and they offer more intel to make your picks all stuff you won't find at espn or cbs if you've got a business run your pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain new customers plus they offer full white glove customer support custom branding and one of the easiest three minute setups you'll ever find clearly we believe in run your pool because like i said We're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize up to $1,800, join us at runyourpool.com 
slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize of up to $1,800. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Hey, it's that time of year as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games as well. So head on over to the website today or use your phone to learn about the trends and the action. BetOnline where the game starts. So putting on my Anthony DeBundo hat real quick, the, the advanced metrics hat here, we gave the basic numbers, but digging deeper into some of these advanced numbers, if you care about that type of stuff, it is interesting. Evan Maia has a website. I think I'm saying his name right there where he tracks offensive performance rating defensive performance rating based on a couple of different things like plus minus when you're out there and how the quality of shots is and all that stuff and Gerard finished third on the team in the offense or second on the team in the offensive category he was the third overall player if you combine his two ratings together but he was fourth best on defense 4.0 grade for comparison Simer Torrance was actually a little bit below zero Frank Anselm was the best on the team at, I think, a 9.6 grade, and his offensive grade was a 28.1. So that shows you that there was not as good of results defensively for Syracuse, which is not a surprise in the per-player basis. But I don't know. I mean, that's not doesn't mean everything, but it tells you that maybe he's improving on defense a little bit. I'd be curious to kind of look back through what he did in recent seasons compared to this year, because it did feel like he's gotten a little bit better at getting to the spots in the zone this year at times, but he still has those limitations like he does on does on offense for just not being that quick. All right. I've got a question for you and I don't know if you still have the whole team ranking in front of you here. I could pull it up. Okay. Uh, give me a stack. Or maybe you'll you'll just Man, know the yeah. answer to this offhand. But do you remember where Jimmy Bayheim ranked? Yeah, he was actually good. <laughs> I was shocked. Yeah, by and, it. and this is where I'm wondering too. And I love Evan. I think he he does really good work on a lot of things with college basketball. But I wonder how much this is a the miscalculation might come as a result of the zone of yeah, playing a zone tough, style zone. defense. Yeah. Right. So, so that's why I'm wondering how valid some of that is. Okay, I, I was wrong. I, I misremembered this. Jimmy Baham had the worst grade on the team defensively. Okay. Um, then so that would make I'm, sense. I'm glad I looked it up. Yeah, so minus 7.2 for him. Benny, second worst, minus 3.4. It goes Anselm, Swider, Edwards, Joe Girard, top four defenders. Buddy, Torrance, Benny, Jimmy is the guys that calculated in that order. So okay. nothing too shocking. You would think Torrance would probably be not that far behind Gerard, but you could probably chalk that up to limited sample size a little bit for Torrance as well. Maybe perhaps. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little surprised at where Benny was and, and where Torrance was too. Um, like I'm not saying Benny was some all world defender. I just didn't think he'd be second to last on the team. Um, if I had to guess. Yeah. And looking but, back through this, so the year before, sorry to cut you off, but no. 
Gerard 14.4 rating was the second best on the team just behind Kadar the year before. You wonder if maybe these numbers are just influenced by steals. And that's something that in yeah. a man-to-man type of defense, you know, it's probably pretty even who gets the steals or not. But when you're talking about the zone, usually the, the guys at the top of the zone rack up the steals. Right. He was negative 1.2 in his freshman year. Barama led the way that year with a 19.0 rating. That's like the best rating I'm seeing here. So it's just one variable. I, I found it interesting though, that Gerard and Torrance are out there doing the same stuff for the most part. And he was actually a little bit better analytically speaking than Torrance on defense. That is interesting. And that's part of why I'm not totally going to buy into it because I think the eye test would clearly tell you who was the better defender on that Syracuse team this past season. Um, and I, I also Torrance provides you all sort of positional flexibility as well, but from a defensive standpoint, again, it will be interesting to see what happens next year. If there is man to man sequences, because we talked about it sort of on yesterday's show and we kind of implored the, the thought of a man to man style for a little bit of games next year is you can hide a guy in man to man. You can't hide him all the time, but you can you can get away with hiding a guy. In the zone, sometimes it's tough to hide individual players. You can hide overall deficiencies a little bit more, but individual players, I think it's a little bit easier to hide in man-to-man. And that'll be something that, we, that I'm watching for next year, is how yeah. will Joe be utilized in what could be a three, four, maybe even five different rotation-style defense uh, that we might see Syracuse use next season. Yeah. I don't know if he can be an all ACC player next year. I'm a little skeptical of it. I do think he probably puts up better numbers. The key, as we've said a ton of times, is just less of the Sienna Joe games, like looking through his game logs, Notre Dame, he had two points, two turnovers in 26 minutes, one for seven from the floor pit. Three points. That was six turnovers when Saimir was out, and that's the terrible loss at Pitt. One for nine from mm-hmm. the floor. UVA, three points, one for five. There were just too many times this year that we got on this podcast and we were like, we got to talk about Joe again because he was terrible. And right. there were also times that we were like, wow, we got to talk about Joe because he went six for nine for awesome. three. But yeah. if you're going to be a leader of next year's team steady he is he has to be well he has to be right so what are the qualities you look for in a leader it's like steadiness consistency and just in guard play in general regardless of how long you've been there if you have a successful team you probably have consistent guard play and that's why when we talk to jeff goodman people like that they say and i agree with them gerard would be a great guy to have as your first guy off the bench he might not be the best starter at least at the point guard spot, because he's so inconsistent. But the hope is if Saimir can be consistent, then that opens Joe up to just playing a role that he's more equipped to play next year. I look at it this way, okay? So I've got Joe Girard's game log up in front of me. In games where he turned the ball over four times or more, Syracuse, it happened 10 times, Syracuse yeah. went three and seven. And I want you to take a look at some of these games where it happened too. Some of these were really close games that a turnover here or there swings the result. UNC, the Wake Forest lost. I know the final score isn't indicative of it, but that Villanova game was close for a long time. Syracuse led that game at the half. Um, The Florida State game, the the loss that they had. Pitt, VCU, those are games where if you're not turning the ball over four, five, six times, 
you maybe give yourself a chance to win some of these games. And it's enough to put you over the edge to win some of these games. And if you win half of those games, you might be looking at an NCAA tournament team with this Syracuse program this year. So I also think, too, we're in a perfect world. Joe Girard is playing the two guard next year. If he's playing the two guard, I don't think we see a game where he has four, five, six turnovers because it, it's going to be a lot of catch and shoot on offense for him. So I, I wouldn't expect yeah. to see these high volume of turnovers coming out of his hand. I agree. One thing that's interesting, all the teams that you named there, they had a lot of turnovers against just high pressure athletic teams for the most part, like yep. BCU even. They're not the greatest team, but you just knew that was going to be a matchup mm -hmm. nightmare. And he's got to find a way when you look at Ken Palm, when he plays against tier a competition, it's not a dramatic drop off. Like some might think according to the eye test, but when he goes up against the best teams this year, 10 games against tier a competition, his turnover rate goes up to 22.5 compared to 21.2. His three point shooting goes down to 33% compared to pretty much 41% on the season. So everyone's going to dip against good teams. I, I understand right. that, mm -hmm. but he's got to find a way to, just be better against good teams because it felt like Buddy got to a point where he was kind of matchup proof. Joe is not at that point right now. No. And also on the note of he's going to play the two guard, he's going to play the two guard. I agree. He's definitely going to be utilized that way. But if they don't bring in another point guard, it's he's going to have to play some point guard. Simon Torrance is not going to play 40 right. minutes. And we'll see what Copeland be brings next year. Yeah, because that that right. can quell a little bit of it, and the hope is that Copeland will be good enough to be playing that backup point guard role for you. So you don't, because Joe's going to play next year. If he's the if he's a two guard next year, Joe's going to play thirty seven to forty minutes every single night. Yeah, I agree. I would also say, you know, if they played Villanova this year, let's take them for example. They might be an exception, but and they throw out Gerard and Torrance, and it doesn't matter if they're playing man or zone or whatever. Like they have physical guards that there are teams yeah. that Gerard and Torrance as your two guards or just Gerard as your quote unquote two guard guarding a potential shooting guard might not be ideal. And that is more if you're looking at it from a man to man lens, which mm -hmm. we'll see how often they actually do that next year. But it's not a it's not a dream scenario defensively to have the two of them at the top of the zone. So. I'm not so sure he's going to be able to play two guard for the entire game. Like some people are assuming. Yeah, probably not. Again, you'll probably have to see and another lineup that I'll be interested in next year is Kadir Copeland along with Joe Girard. Cause if I remember correctly, yeah. Kadir's what, like six, five, he's a yeah, bigger he's point guard and he's got the length that you want. So I wonder if it'll almost be Kadari like where he can be at the top and kind of, hide some of and get some steals too to kind of hide some of the deficiencies that might exist at the top of the zone next year. But I think you're right. Like I think another issue that I saw with Joe Girard that I need to see improve for next season is there were some games where it just looked like he checked out too. It looked yeah. like he, he became lackadaisical. He looked disinterested. He didn't want the basketball in his hands. I need to see that killer Joe Girard every single game. Every single game, because that player is a good player. And you can live with some of the mistakes when they're aggressive, right? Like, I don't want to see you have a, a lazy turnover where you're just handing the ball the other way. I can live with you put your head down and go to the basket and had it stripped away from you. Because there, there you're trying to force the issue. 
But when it's, oh, little handoff and and you give it to the other team or, oh, you bounce it off your foot because you're not paying attention. That's the stuff mm-hmm. that's going to tick a lot of people off. All right. Well, we will wrap it there. That is our first exit interview for Joe Girard. Thanks for listening. We'll have one player each day the rest of the week. Also keep you up to date on any breaking news, recruiting or otherwise that comes out. So subscribe to the show if you haven't already. I think we're going to do Simir Torrance tomorrow. Keep it in the guard. Keep it in the guard family. Yep. Yeah. Keep it in there. And that's going to be an interesting one too, that we can go 40 or 45 minutes on based on how much his season outlook has changed over the course of the season and the optimism for next year. So we'll talk Simir tomorrow and subscribe to the show because we're keeping you guys up to date on these exit interviews throughout the week and any other Syracuse news that happens.